All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and open to Ecclesiastes 10 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. How many were here when we studied Hebrew poetry and how to understand Hebrew poetry? Okay. Yes-ish, no-ish. Okay, most of you. Okay. So we're going to look at, in, in uh, chapter 10, Solomon uses several proverbs regarding wisdom and folly. Now remember, in Hebrew poetry, their poetical style is not like ours dealing with rhyme and meter. It deals more with parallelism. And so you have parallel thoughts in these poems or proverbs that he gives. So I've gone through and I've categorized these proverbs and these uh, verses 1 through 15 all Proverbs dealing with wisdom and folly. Now, I don't know if we're going to get through every one of these tonight, but this is the first category, a lump of these uh, Proverbs that he goes through. So let's go ahead and get started, and we'll look at least the first four in verses 1 through 4, which I categorized as a caution to the wise. A caution to the wise. He said, dead flies cost the ornament of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh in the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. So we're going to look again, as I said, verses 1 through 15, as different proverbs dealing with wisdom and folly. And these first four verses are dealing with a caution to the wise. So the first one, in verse 1, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Now, looking at the parallelism, if you write at this out, dead flies would be parallel to what in the next phrase? Sir? A little folly. Very good. So those two are parallel elements. So when he says dead flies are causing the ointment to stink, the ointment then is it corresponds to what? His reputation. Very good. Okay, so a little folly and him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor causes it to turn bad. Okay, what's the ointment of apothecary? Kind of a perfume, okay? But you get dead flies in it, what's going to happen? It's going to be wretched, right? Okay, so it's supposed to be really nice, but it no longer is because it has dead flies in it. Reminds me of one time we're at Friendly's Restaurant. My wife goes, we got this big Sunday, and my wife goes to dig in, and there's a fly. You know, she lost her appetite real quick. Okay, in the same way, in the same way then, the one that is of reputation, if they do something foolish, it can stink real bad. 
it ruin it can ruin the reputation. You've all heard it takes a lifetime to build a testimony and a moment of foolishness to ruin it. And this is essentially what Solomon is saying is be careful. Now, would not Solomon be um what's the word I'm looking for? Be able to say this, being that he was the wisest man and he tried some very foolish things. And it still, to this day, makes us sometimes scratch our heads saying, huh? But it's the little things that we allow to slip that can have great impact in our lives. Song of Solomon, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. It's the little ones that spoil the grapes. It's, it's sometimes the small things and when we're not careful in keeping the basics of our Christian life where they need to be, ensuring that I am in the Word of God, that I'm praying, that I'm walking by faith, that I have on the armor of God, that I am being faithful to church, that I'm being doing the things that I know to do, sometimes it's those little things that when they start to slip that are going to end up having the greatest impact or destruction in our lives. You know, I saw... Uh, a meme recently said, the worst thing about missing church is pretty soon you won't miss it. Because our sin nature will start to take over just that quick. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. If any of you ever made homemade bread, now there's nothing like good homemade bread coming fresh out of the oven, and take it while it's still hot and burning your fingers, cut your slice off and slather that thing with butter, and it melts all the way through it, and then stick it in your mouth and burn your tongue off, but it tastes good, doesn't it? But when you make bread, you don't put tons of yeast in there. It's just a little bit. And then you knead it in, and then all of a sudden the whole thing goes, right? Swells up. So just as dead flies in a perfume will cause it to sink, stink, so does a little folly the reputation of the wise. Ecclesiastes 7.1, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death better than the day of one's birth. So with this, and this is one that I have to be careful of, because I sometimes like to joke too much. Sometimes I want to be the first one to give the wisecrack, so mouth is engaged before brain, and then after the wisecrack comes out, it's like, that did not need to be said. Ever anybody else ever guilty of this? Yes, okay. <laughs> Ephesians four five four. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Solomon in Proverbs puts it this way: "Is a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? You know, I know many have tried many practical jokes." And they're funny till it goes wrong. And they're funny till it's not funny. You know, the best way to prevent a practical joke from going wrong or being taken the wrong way or, or cause an offense, don't do it. Just don't do it. We really need to be careful with those things. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, when Nathan finally confronts David and David admits his sin with Bathsheba and he confesses it. Nathan says these words in verse 14. He says, How be it? 
because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child that is born unto thee shall surely die. You know, David was, God said, is a man after God's own heart. There's many great things David did. I love hearing preaching of David and Goliath. But I, the sad part is, is we also have to hear preaching of David and Bathsheba. You see how a little bit of foolishness made the whole reputation of David stink. Because I probably have heard both of those preached equally. We can look at other Bible examples, but I think you get the idea. A little folly can destroy the reputation of the wise. So the warning that he gives in this first proverb is, be careful, your reputation matters. Now, the second proverb he gives with this is in verse 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Now, this one may be a little bit harder to get, but the idea is a wise man does right. Now, typically, most are right-hand dominant, right? Okay, so he does that which is right, hand, or the dominant hand, the strongest hand, the most exercised hand. And the idea is a wise man makes right choices. He has his desires, feelings, and passions in check with God's Word. He's one who asks advice. He's one who studies God's Word. He's one who has on the armor of God. He's making right choices. A wise man is making, on a regular basis, Wise choices. Now we could go back to David. David did, for the most part, make wise choices. But there was a time when David let things slip. And actually, the passage even tells us it's the time when the kings go to war. David didn't want to go this time. He just stays home. And it's the little things he started letting slip that led to. Because beyond the adultery, he was guilty of murdering her husband. But the fool does the opposite. He goes to the left. And isn't it interesting that even in today's society, we say that we have the right and we have the left. We call the liberals on the left, and they call us on the right. But the fool will speak without thinking. And every time, as I said just a little bit ago, because yes, unfortunately, there's still those times when the mouth is engaged and running before the brain, what's coming out is typically foolishness. The wise is slow to speak. The wise is going to think before they speak. And Christian, we do well to take time to think before the mouth is engaged. Because again, Solomon says, the wise man heart is at the right. But a fool's heart at the left. A fool's heart is going to do the make the wrong choices. And we see this very evident in the political realm, how that those that are truly following God, those that are, and I hate the term, to use the term conservative because it doesn't mean what it once meant, but those that are well, just say following God's principles are typically making very right choices, making choices that make sense. But the left that's following their heart 
following the humanism, following the wicked thinking, you know, thinking that somehow abortion is health care. Somehow thinking that we need to get rid of the older people so we can have more resources for the young people. I mean, the crazy things that they come up with sometimes. And, and I was in a meeting just uh, last Thursday. And long story short, basically the bottom line of the answer came down to, well, let's throw more money at it and see if it fixes it this time. And I said, I just raised I got the chairman's attention. I said, this once again seems like a typical government answer. Throw some more money at it and see if it gets fixed. And they all just looked at me like I was crazy. But it was exactly what they were saying. So then he gives a third proverb that again is a warning to the wise. He says, Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saveth everyone that he is a fool. Now, I find that quite humorous. Because the foolish truly does not walk up to you and say, Hi, I'm a fool. But most of them, as soon as they open your mouth, you can pick them out. What was it? I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Well, we all know the fools that open their mouth and all doubt's gone. Yes, they're dumb. They're a fool. Okay? So conversely then, if the fool declares his folly, then should not the wise... Again, be slow to speak and be thinking before he speaks. As he says, as he walketh by the way. In other words, during everyday activities, his wisdom faileth him, or he lacks wisdom. He leaves it behind. He leaves his, he leaves his wisdom at home, if you will, because he doesn't have any to take with him. You've all heard the expression, you know, wow, they're so dumb they can't find their way out of a wet paper bag. These, that's these type people. He proclaims his, full, his foolishness. Proverbs 13, 16. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Proverbs 12, 23. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. Several ways, I believe, in which this can be applied. First of all, the ones that are always talking about living it up and partying and everything else. When I lived in the barracks, when I was in A school, uh, we were in San Diego, California, and it was the old hospital was our barracks. And so we had this big open bay barracks. And every weekend, the guys would go down to Tijuana, get plastered, and come back and tell you what a wonderful time they had. And I remember one Saturday or Sunday, and I've told you this before, and yes, it's gross, but you're going to hear it again. The guy in the tap rack had gotten drunk. And he vomited in the middle of the night, and the guy in the bottom rack is laying there just dripping on top of him because he's kind of half hanging out the rack because he's drunk too. And then so it was a Saturday. I know it was a Saturday because there was a couple other sailors who didn't drink. They and I went over to Balboa Park, and we enjoyed the day, and we had a really good day. We come back that evening, and they're like, oh, you guys missed such a good time. We were out there, man. It was great. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know what? I saw you this morning laying in his vomit. I don't think that looked like a good time to me. Oh, shut up, Cor. You know, and it's like, you know, basically they're saying, hey, look how dumb we are. Look how foolish we are. That's one way in which I find this declaring their foolishness. 
And here's another way in which I find people declare their foolishness. Typically, a wise person doesn't have to go around telling everybody they're wise. Truthfully, actually, a true wise person doesn't have to go around telling everybody how smart they are, how wise they are. Because wisdom would say you don't go bragging about it. So those that immediately tell you how great they are and how wonderful they are and how wonderful job they do at everything else and all this other stuff, I typically sit there and I just listen and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. So what you're declaring to me is more than likely you're a fool. And I have found it to be true so many times. Recently, the, um, the council of government I'm with, we had to let go of the executive director. But I will say this, without going into any details of why or anything else, okay? This individual, when I first got there, the way she talked about herself, you'd think she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. She could do anything. And immediately red flags started going up in my mind. There's something wrong. Because if somebody can truly do the job, they don't have to tell me they can do the job. They just do the job. You follow what I'm saying? And so you and I, Christian, need to have the discernment to understand when the fool is standing there saying, Hi, I'm a fool. Because that's not the exact words they use. But you and I need to pick it out when they're sitting there bragging on themselves or when they're the first ones to talk about it, here's another one that says, I'm a fool. The ones that always got to play top this. Okay? It doesn't matter if you went to the moon and back, and you were telling your trip to the moon and back, they did it better than you did. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know what they're saying? I'm a fool. So there's three ways in which they openly declare their folly. It's interesting what Solomon says. that They declare that they're a fool. They walk around leaving their wisdom behind. Hi, I'm full. And that's exactly, if you pay attention, it's exactly what they're saying. Now, don't say next time somebody is sitting there talking about themselves or they're playing top this, hey, guess what? You're full, okay? So let me ask a question. If the fool is so quick and readily to declare his foolishness, walking around literally telling everybody, I'm a fool, why are we Christians so timid about talking about Jesus Christ? Because isn't that not true wisdom? To talk about him? So if we're wise, why are we why why not the things that should be on our lips talking about Jesus Christ? All right. I figured we wouldn't get through all 15 of them. So let's go to number four. And this is the last one. It's a caution to the wise. And it's to humble yourself to rollers. Verse 4. If the spirit of roller rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. So if a ruler becomes angry, do not withdraw from your post of duty and resistance. Rather, humble yourself so his anger is appeased. In other words, do not react spitefully. Humbly submit yourself. Do not become angry. Answer with a soft answer. Now, folks, there is a time and place when to disobey authority, and that is when. When what they say contradicts God's word. But until then, you know what we're to do? We obey God by obeying the authority that he put over us. Now, today in today's society, 
That's been a hard pill to swallow for the last couple of years, hasn't it? But I do believe that we are reaching a point with some of the things going on that they are crossing that line of what God said. And therefore, Christian, even in doing so, though, it's not like, aha, finally my opportunity, rebellion's coming. Yes! Which I see some acting exactly like that. Come on, let's get up arms and let's go. Let's go to war. You do realize that should be the absolute last resort. Wisdom is going to say, if you're going to rebel against your government, you better have God on your side. You better make sure you've tried every last resort first because you're going to look awfully foolish doing so before the time to do so. So it's interesting when Daniel went to the chief of the eunuchs, he didn't say, I'm a Jew. I'm not going to eat that meat. He simply said, I have a request. Let me eat vegetables. Now, the captain eunuchs is concerned because if I just let him eat vegetables, he's going to look like a puny little twig, and everybody else is going to look real good. When they stand before the king, king's going to have my hide because he looks so terrible. So Daniel comes with a compromise. Give us just a couple weeks. Let's try it for a week or so. And if we look bad, then we'll renegotiate the terms, <laughs> basically, is what he's saying. He says, but if we look fine, then let's continue with this. So, the, you know, you see, he approached him in a very gentle way. I'll give you another illustration. When I first started at Walmart, I had an open availability. Okay, because we had moved to Shelby, North Carolina, about the same time that all the textile mills closed. So finding a job was uh, difficult. So I finally got a job at Walmart, and in order to get the job, I had to have an open availability. Well, I'm at college training for ministry, and it certainly is difficult never being in church because it seemed like they'd work you mid-shift on Sunday, every Sunday, so that you could miss both services. And they would work in the evening every Wednesday, so you'd miss Wednesday night service. And so I went to my manager, and I said, because he complimented me. He says, I really appreciate the work you're doing. I said, could I ask a favor then, please? Could I have Sunday mornings off? You know what? I think we could do that for you. I'll just schedule some Sunday evenings. And, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll make sure you get Sunday mornings off. Thank you. Well, I continued to work. And a few months later, we had another manager. And they came up and they said something about the, how much they appreciated my work. And I was like, take the opportunity. Is there any way I can have off all day Sunday? Well, I don't see why not. Let's go ahead and just make you not available on Sundays. Okay, so now I have every Sunday off. And then probably a year later, a different manager, same type situation. I said, I really appreciate that. Could my other day off be Wednesday? Well, I don't see why not. Then I had some students at the college, go apply at Walmart and say, I demand I will be off every Wednesday and every Sunday. And I had HR come to me and say, the next one of those that comes to me and demands it, and, you know, on your recommendation, I said, stop right there. I said, I never gave any of them recommendation. I never told them they could use my name, and I would never tell somebody to come in and demand their schedule. I said, I worked hard to be granted the schedule I have. And I'm, I'm not going to ever tell them. And she goes, oh. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, okay, I got it now. But you know, 
their demands did nothing to help their testimony. It only frustrated the people who didn't understand why they wanted off Wednesdays and Sundays. Isn't it? And I'm not saying this to try to toot my own horn, okay? God gave wisdom in it because I don't have it, okay? But you know what I found is it's better to show them why it's important to you than to tell them why it's important to you. Humble yourself to rulers. Have a soft answer is Daniel did not go demanding. He really wasn't in a position to, by the way. Proverbs 25, 15. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Proverbs 15, 1. The soft answer, answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up strife. So this could be applied then, not only to government, but children to parents. We live in a messed up society. I'll tell you, your kids do not call you by first name. It's funny that even sitting on the dais sometimes, I've told Josh, I said, look, you can call me Jim on there. It's okay. But, you know, my dad, because it, it was so ingrained in him for so long that he just has a hard time calling me by my first name still. I still don't call my dad John. I mean, just saying it, he's like, oh, you know, I just said John. You know, He's dad. I mean, even when he had on his chief's uniform, he was not chief. He was dad. But there is not that respect there is not that humbling yourself to the parents for many children today. Employees to the employer. Does not Ephesians tell us, Servants be obedient to them that your masters according to flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as servants to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You know, but I remember a guy, this is no lie, he, we were working, Walmart is full of illustrations. About two hours in the shift, he'd be sitting there. He'd be like, um, Paul, I think his name was. Like, you going to do anything tonight? He goes, I work for two hours. He goes, I give them what they pay me for. And then he would slip out 15 minutes early all the time or whatever. I mean, he was always, he didn't work at all. He says, I only, I only give them what they pay me for. Well, one time, and I tried to say it as nice as I could. I said, you know, that's really not fair. I said, did you not agree to the wages when you took the job? He goes, well, yeah only because I couldn't find anything else. I said, no, wait a minute, let's stop. I said, so the agreement was you would give them a full day's work for the amount that they pay you. He goes, I just pay them what, or I just give them what they pay me for. I said, stop. They're paying you for a full day's work. Well, I don't see it that way. Really? If you agreed to the wages, give the work. And you should never have to use the phrase, here comes the boss, look busy. Now, after I got to know my bosses, I would say it just to, joke with them, okay? I said, oh, here comes a boss, look busy. You know, but he was working. And then obviously citizens to government. Romans 13, one, let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. By the way, for both good and evil. And let me say, it really was nice knowing that the North Carolina law was written that said that pastors are allowed to visit their congregants. And it was really nice knowing the representative and it's also nice that the other representative went and talked to the sheriff about it. And it's nice having these people who know you by first name who say, yeah, I'm here to serve you. So I actually had both representatives and the sheriff say they'd all escort me in there. So I could go in with three escorts right now if I needed to. So that's pretty, pretty neat, right? But, you know, it's amazing when you do the right thing, 
you can have the praise of, remember the passage talks about, you know, they, they punish the evildoer, but they praise the ones that are doing good. Well, I consider what happened with this situation the praise of one trying to do the right thing. 